welcome to another edition of In Ring Reality. I, of course, am your host, Razmian's Reality, and today, folks, we're going to discuss WWE's falling ratings and what the problem is behind them and how in the world can they be fixed. Is there a way for them to be fixed? And, of course, because it's me and because... My audience is you, my audience. We can't get out of here this week without discussing WWE's censorship of the champ champ, the man, Becky Lynch, Becky T-Belts. And, of course, the big, 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 big topic of the week has been the Firefly Funhouse. Where the heck is this all going? And what does all of it mean? All that on today's show, as well as, of course, the week's news and mailbag. So let's just jump right into it. If you weren't aware, WWE this week suffered some of its lowest ratings ever. SmackDown fell to somewhere in the 2 million viewers range, which is just absolutely pathetic. That, of course, is the U.S. number. Don't have access to worldwide numbers because as far as I'm aware, those aren't released. Now, if I'm wrong about that and they are actually released, please do share that and do let me know that that is the case. But as far as I'm aware, they aren't released to the public. But yes, 2 million United States viewers for SmackDown. That is just a really, really bad, really alarming number, everybody. That's not good at all. And the numbers for Raw, I think were just barely 3.7 million or something like that. It was an extremely low number for Raw. And apparently the ratings really took a nosedive before the AJ Styles Baron Corbin main event. So, what does this all mean, and what can we as wrestling fans do to make sure that WWE is not in trouble? The truth is, we can't do anything to fix it, and we shouldn't try to fix it, because it's not our responsibility. What's happening with live attendance and the ratings as a whole is happening because the majority of fans aren't satisfied with the product. I personally don't understand that right now. Because I think the product is better than it's been in a very, very long time. The right people are on top. We've got Becky Lynch. We've got Seth Rollins. We've got Kofi Kingston. We've got the Usos. We've got Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, two of the most underutilized guys on the planet. But I think that a lot of people are just conditioned to certain people being on top. And I think the other part of the equation is just look at the reaction this past Tuesday when Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey for the SmackDown Live number one contendership. 95% of the reaction to that, unless you're a hardcore Charlotte fan, was completely negative simply because the entire world, myself and Most of you listeners I know are definitely in this boat. We are so tired of seeing the same thing over and over and over 
and over and over and over and over and over again. And that is what we're seeing with Charlotte Flair. It's not that Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch can't put on a great match. And I understand what they're doing with putting Charlotte Flair in front of Becky Lynch again. Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch have amazing chemistry. They are real-life friends, and that translates to the ring. If you look at history and you look at the best rivalries there between people who are the best of friends and could not be tighter than a drum in real life, but there just comes a point where we've seen all we can see. And what the character Becky Lynch, Becky Two Belts the Man, said this week on SmackDown is how the majority of this feel. It's time for Char to step aside and make way for Bailey, Ember Moon, and the like. It's time for her to get to the back of the line and earn her way back to the front. But she really is the web that WWE will not allow Becky to be untangled from. So is she being set up to lose the SmackDown Championship at Money in the Bank? I certainly hope not. The Becky Two Belts persona and the Becky Two Belts moniker and the shirt is selling like hotcakes on Twitter. They just released the plaque. I think the whole narrative of Becky being a double champion and not being a unified champion is so much smarter than what I thought was a guarantee coming out of WrestleMania. I think the more that Becky defends these titles, the stronger she's going to look, which is what the majority of people want for her and from her. So I hope WWE doesn't drop the bell with this. But I think that, or excuse me, drop the bell. Did I just say drop the bell? I think I just said drop the bell. <laughs> I meant to say drop the ball, of course, not the bell. This isn't the wrestling bell. <laughs> wow, that's a funny mistake. I'm leaving that in. That's a good piece of humor right there. <laughs> Hashtag drop the bell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I hope that they don't drop the ball with this because they really have something special with Becky Lynch. They really, really do. And that's not just me being biased toward Becky. That's Becky basically transcending the business. When Becky tweets after being absent for a week, which leads us into our main topic here in just a minute when I get done covering some of the other things that happened on TV like the Firefly Funhouse and such about her being censored by WWE, but when she tweets, the Twitter just explodes. It explodes. People love interacting with Becky Lynch. There are people interacting with Becky Lynch who aren't even wrestling fans right now. I mean, that's just a fact. That's not hearsay. That's not a fan trying to build up his favorite star. No, 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 no. That is a fact. Becky Lynch is the face of this company. So hopefully that means that she's not going to stop being Becky Two Belts anytime soon. But, but getting back to the ratings and attendance issues, I think the answer comes from two things. Number one, I think a lot of WWE's numbers, whether we realize it or not, come from people who aren't tuning in week in and week out. They come from people who are there to see certain people, and those certain people haven't been around. Certain people like a John Cena, like a Roman Reigns, etc. 
So I think a lot of injured stars or stars not being on the road and being at house shows in particular are playing a big part in this. And I also think that because those casual fans are accustomed to those certain stars, when stars that we love get pushed like a Kofi Kingston, casual fans don't know how to react to it. So I think that is a big reason. But the biggest reason has been the biggest reason for a long, long time. And it's just something that WWE doesn't seem to want to face. Maybe this ratings crisis will wake them up and make them realize that they finally are going to have to face it though. And that's that the shows are just too long and there's too many of them. Three hours of Raw every week is just ridiculous. The crowd is dead tired by the time we get to the 11 o'clock hour. A pay-per-view is completely different because a pay-per-view is a pay-per-view. However, there are two many of those as well, which is a major problem. The reason the NXT works is because of how well it's structured. The reason that SmackDown, when you watch it, is so much easier to get through is because it's structured so well from point A to point B to point C within that two hour time frame. So that's where your major issues are. Your shows are not succinct enough and you haven't done enough in establishing new stars. So when these people who tune in to only see certain people aren't seeing those certain people on television, they aren't sticking around and giving themselves a chance to be captivated by new stars because you've literally only built up three women, one of whom is gone in the last year and a half. And when you build up a 12-year veteran and finally give him his due, these casual fans don't know who a Kofi Kingston is. So that right there is the problem in a nutshell. WWE doesn't build stars and when they do push someone new, casual fans don't know how to react to it. So honestly, I don't know how to fix it. Unless Triple H is allowed to take over and we don't get nonsensical things like a team losing its name just because we're being politically correct like the War Raiders. And we get storylines that flow, shows that flow, time that isn't wasted, stars that are being built up. Unless Vince McMahon is willing to step aside and allow that to happen, I don't know how you fix WWE's fallen ratings. One thing that might rejuvenate the show, however, is the returning Bray Wyatt. Boy, oh boy, was that Firefly Funhouse something to see. By the way, if you're a fan of other podcasts, which I'm assuming you are, if you're a podcast listener and you like hearing other people's wrestling opinions if you'd like watching YouTube videos do yourself a favor and if you don't subscribe at least seek out and listen to the latest episode of Wrestling Reality by Justin Labar this week he sat down with Jason Baker who is the director of the Firefly Funhouse segment and he sat down and did a great interview Talked about a great career that he's had, great opportunities that WWE has given him as a creator and as a person with creative influence. 
in television and in film and Hollywood as a whole and as a creator as a whole. And he point blank said that we as fans have not seen anything yet. If we enjoyed that first segment with the Firefly Funhouse, we have not seen anything yet. Anything at all. So, I am on pins and needles waiting for more Firefly Funhouse. This is what we've wanted from Bray Wyatt all this time. The unhinged, unleashed, uneasy character who appears to be one thing on the surface, but it's clearly a monster underneath. This is going to be brilliant as long as WWE doesn't screw it up. And it seems like, at least from the director's mouth, they're not intending to do that at the moment. So that is very, very exciting news. And of course, the final big story, and I saved it for last, not just because She's the best, but because, ironically, it's the shortest thing to talk about this week. Yes, WWE is censoring Becky Lynch. There's a reason that her new Twitter profile picture is a photo of herself with tape over her mouth. Because people are being overly sensitive to her character. They're not understanding the fact that the man... Becky Two Belts is a persona. It's a character that she is playing online. And there's people literally calling herself a bully. One or two wamby-pamby bad crybaby apples have ruined it for the rest of us. Now, Becky did take to Twitter today as we're publishing this podcast slash recording this podcast on April 27, admitted it's just not the same without me around is it and every response so far without fail at the time of this recording which is around 6:22 p.m. eastern time it'll probably be up an hour or so after that depending on how long it takes me to edit the show but every response so far to that tweet from Becky has been no it isn't and it never will be without the man. So hopefully that's something that WWE takes notice of and we get the unhinged, the man Becky Two Belts back because Lord knows she is the best thing we have and she is what we need. So, so bad. The promo on Raw from this past Monday was a perfect example when the absolute plank Lacey Evans was called out. When the Irish is allowed to come out of the champ champ, the world is better for it. Take off the tape, take off the muzzle, and let the man, Becky Two Belts, be unleashed upon the WWE Universe once again. One thing I forgot to talk about in the intro, but it is, I guess, a major headliner for the week before we get into this week's news, is, of course, the heel turn of one Kevin Owens. And this was purely a reactionary thing from WWE. All reports are saying so. It was clearly evident the minute this happened. KO was not supposed to turn heel this soon. They had big plans for him as a face. He was supposed to be the number two face right behind Kofi Kingston. But Daniel Bryan's out. 
Randy Orton isn't anywhere where he feels like he is a number one contender. Neither is Mustafa Ali right now. WWE is just in a situation where they feel like they need a strong heel challenger for Kofi Kingston to defend that WWE championship against, which is why they had to make the move with Kevin Owens. It's a real shame, but these two will put on a great match as a result of the heel turn, so I can't wait to see their encounter at Money in the Bank. Moving forward into the news, CM Punk made his return to an independent pro wrestling show last weekend, GTSing a man in the middle of the ring to help another man win. I don't have the name of the promotion or the building in front of me, but I do know it's run by Silas Young, and the reason that the return happened is because it's one of the places where Punk got its start. It's a building with a lot of wrestling history in it, and the building is being torn down. So Punk simply wanted to make a tribute to the building. Of course, that coupled with the fact that he commented on Instagram about a match that he was in, a great match that he was in on the indie scene with the superstar that was tweeting about it. Again, I apologize, I don't have the tweets right in front of me. I'm doing this from memory. I should always have tweets right in front of me when I'm quoting Twitter, but lesson learned, we'll do better next time. But yeah, that coupled with the fact of that interaction has had people saying, is CM Punk going to be part of AEW? Did AEW make a play for CM Punk? Well, apparently they did. And apparently it was a big money play, but that was before Tony Khan, the Young Bucks, and Cody actually got this thing called All Elite Wrestling off the ground. I will have to wait and see how this one turns out. Conrad Thompson, the owner and runner of StarCast, the wrestling convention, famous for his co-hosting duties with Bruce Pritchard on the Something to Wrestle With podcast, has a little bit of redemption after The Undertaker and Kurt Angle were pulled from StarCast by WB for what they deemed to be character reasons. Instead, Conrad Thompson is going to be allowed to show the long-lost match that got Bret Hart his original deal with WWE. Bret Hart wrestled a guy by the name of Tom McGee, and apparently Vince McMahon fell in love with his match and said he had to have Tom McGee as his next big thing until he saw another match from Tom McGee, which was absolutely terrible, and realized that, oh God, Tom McGee, it's terrible. It's Bret Hart that's the really good star that is the next big thing in WWE. And this match has been gone and missing for years. It was recently recovered and will be shown to the public for the first time at StarCast 2 as a replacement for Undertaker and Kurt Angle's appearance with an okay from WB. So that is indeed a big win for Conrad Thompson 
and Starcast 2. Vicky Guerrero says she wants to see Chris Benoit in the Hall of Fame. Says the longtime Guerrero family friend deserves to be in for his in-ring merit alone. And that's what the WWE Hall of Fame should be about. It should be about accomplishment in the sport. And you know what? Controversial opinion, maybe. I agree with Vicky on this. And I've always said that I believe that is the case for how a superstar should be measured for the Hall of Fame. It should be about what they've done in the ring and not anything outside of the wrestling business. Are we advocating murder? Are we advocating the terrible thing that happened to Chris Benoit to end his life and end the life of his family? Absolutely not. No one ever would that has a sane mind and heart. But he is a tremendous in-ring talent and does deserve to be recognized for that. Eric Bischoff says he wished he never joined TNA. He says the time that he and Hogan spent there was the worst time of his career. And you know what? Good on you, Eazy-E, for realizing what the fans always knew as well. You never should have been there. You're probably one of the reasons that company took as long as they did to finally start getting some legs underneath them again when it's too little too late. So at least you admit it and I admire you for it, Eric. I really, really do. You went downhill after WCW when you couldn't buy WCW and keep Vince from buying WCW. And I'm glad that you realize that that is the case. Arguably the best woman wrestler in professional wrestling today that is not signed to WWE won Tessa Blanchard who was the body double for the Paige actress in the movie Fighting With My Family which by the way hits digital this coming Tuesday. So if you didn't get a chance to see it check it out on digital release this coming Tuesday. Has denied that she had a fight with ex-boyfriend Ricochet and was kicked out of the Performance Center and that's why she was not signed to WWE. So that's a good thing. I'm glad there's no controversy there and hopefully we'll get a chance to see Tessa Blanchard in WWE very soon because she definitely deserves to be there. It also apparently was her choice at the time not to go straight to WWE after appearing in the Mae Young Classic as she said in a recent interview that she went to work for Impact Wrestling because that's what her gut and her heart was telling her to do at the time. So good on Tessa for doing what she felt was right for her career. Diving into your mailbag for this week, we have two questions to wrap up this week's show. The first comes from longtime supporter David Griffin who asked me, what is my favorite money in the bank match that took part at WrestleMania, where Money in the Bank started, and where Money in the Bank, let's face it, it should still be. Money in the Bank should still be part of WrestleMania. It's always been a mistake for Money in the Bank to be a pay-per-view, in my opinion. The Money in the Bank match is such a better way to get deserving people involved in WrestleMania than random battle royals. 
That will always be my opinion, and that's never going to change. But it is the reality that it is a pay-per-view now, so we have to nostalgically look back at Money in the Bank matches at WrestleMania. So what is the best Money in the Bank match at WrestleMania? Well, I think you have to start from the beginning. The best Money in the Bank match to ever happen at WrestleMania was the Money in the Bank match that debuted the concept at WrestleMania 20. The first ever Money in the Bank match will always be perhaps the best Money in the Bank match of all time. And to quote Stone Cold Steve Austin, for me that is truly the bottom line. And finally my friend Abby at Becky Lynch Fangirl on Instagram. Abby Wrestling on Instagram and Ronda Rousey fangirl on Instagram. Yes, the girl is all over the gram. <laughs> she asked me, who do I want to see win both the women and men's Money in the Bank ladder matches this year? I'm going to go with Andrade to win the men's Money in the Bank. Reports are that WWE finally wants to get back to making the Money in the Bank winner feel like a star as it should be, as the winner of that match should be, that is. And if that's the case, there is no better person to elevate than Andrade. Andrade is a great worker. Andrade fits that Latino representation that Fox is so desperate for. When Fox comes into play in October, give the win to Andrade. And as far as the women go, I have not thought about the women at all until this very moment because Becky Two Belts is on top and I don't want that to ever change anytime soon, but I'm going to follow the same trail, the same train of thought. If you will, it needs to go to a deserving superstar, so I'm going to say give it to Bailey. Bailey deserves that reboot. There has been the Sasha Banks controversy, and unless the plan is to make Sasha Banks happy by giving her the Money in the Bank briefcase and letting her come back as one of the two champions in WWE, which doesn't appear to be the plan from WWE anytime soon, the two parties, Banks and the company, appear to be at a stalemate. Give it to the woman who was her partner, let her rebound from this situation, go with the momentum, and let Bailey finally getting her chance to be on top be that slow build. And if you're not going to do that, the only other person that fits that mold that you could put it on would be Ember Moon, which would be a true elevation of a star, a true star in the making moment, and I would love to see that as well. That's going to do it for this week. As always, if you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform today. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Even if that's not how you listen to the program, as that really does help the algorithm and really does help spread the word and get this podcast into more ears of more great wrestling fans like yourself. And as always, you can get in touch with the show to leave your mailbag questions and any and all feedback 
for me at InRingRealPod on Twitter, at InRingRealityPodcast on Instagram, and at InRingRealityPodcast at gmail.com via email. And if you're able to and you want to do so, you can sponsor the program financially directly through our host, Anchor.fm. That link and all the social media links are in the description of each and every episode. And as always, this has been your Razman's Reality Check.